My light's shining. This is good. We couldn't get the light on this morning. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel and Morgan. Good morning. Welcome. Kia ora etafana. We are a family, uh, a fellowship of believers, and it's a treat for me to be sharing with you this morning. By the way, Grace mentioned some of you may be struggling a bit. You know, burnout. I heard the word burnout. If, if you are feeling burnt out this time of the year, can I invite you to come to me afterwards? I would love to pray for you. <laughs> I think it's going to be a great year. I'm excited about this year. And as I was sharing with Kyron earlier, in those 30 seconds, thanks Jasper, um, you know, I had a great break. I've come back rested. I've come back a blessed man to be able to carry on doing the work that God's called me to do. And I pray the same for you. So isn't it great when your pastor asks you to share and he gives you an open book? Isn't that awesome? It could be scary for some. If my message today completely confuses you, there's good news. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you, hopefully, interpret what I've missed. <laughs> hey, so when Colin invited me, um, at that time, I was kind of, we were in Advent, that special time before Christmas. When we reflect on the amazing truth of, of God coming into this world incarnate in Jesus. And I was, I was feeling challenged in the spirit because Jesus came bringing light into this world. Hence this little beautiful lamp that we see shining there. And so today I want to talk and share with you about this little light of mine. And you could say this little light of yours. The conviction, the challenge for me was, how's it going, Gary, with shining your light in the world today? Indeed, shining the light of Christ through me in the world today. Because, you see, I've been at Vision College coming up on 15 years this year. And, and sometimes we get kind of passive. We get, we get, you know, we get comfortable. I don't believe we, we can really be breaking ground for the kingdom in, from a place of comfort we need to be stepping out in our faith and trusting more in God. And as an introvert, representing, by the way, as an introvert, it's not always easy for me. I prefer to be that guy in the corner having a chat with maybe two or three people. Anyone else like that? Not standing up front, right, and kind of doing their thing. So it's not easy. The light of Christ, however, challenges us. We all have a role to play. And I'm going to use this little word, expectations, a few times today. And of course, we're speaking metaphorically when we talk about the light of Christ. I'm sure I was not the only one last week challenged by David when he shared from the parable of the talents, Jesus' teaching. And David asked the question, what return is God getting on his investment in us? This is a big question, and hopefully you've been pondering and praying into this question. Uh, Billy Graham once said, as long as I have breath in my lungs, <laughs> I will preach the word, and, and God bless him, he did. And so I'm challenged by him. I'm not a Billy Graham, I'm not saying I am, but I'm a, a man of God, a child of God, and so are you. And we've got work to do, friends. My message today is to encourage you and challenge you as a follower of Jesus to step out in our faith and to shine the light that Christ has put in our hearts. 
Romans 12 is a lovely portion of Scripture. Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I'll just share from the message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work if you work, walking around life and placing it before God as an offering, the word says. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture. This is something I had to be careful about after 15 years. We kind of get well adjusted. The word says don't become well adjusted to your culture. That you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down. If you feel dragged down, ask yourself the question, are you connecting too much with the culture around you or are you seeking him first? We don't want to be dragged down, as it says, to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you and me. So we need to be different, friends. We are not called to conform to the ways of the world. Being a bright light for Christ in a world of darkness today can be difficult. I count my blessings every day in New Zealand. We are not in a persecuted church as we might see around the world. Today, people will be facing dire consequences for shining their light for Christ around the world. And yet you and I, blessed here in this nation of New Zealand, God's own we call it, we can step out and shine our our lights brightly. Are we? Are we? God has fully equipped and enabled you for the real work, as I call it, the kingdom work that needs to be done. I was pondering, uh, I heard a few comments last week uh, after David shared, and I want to encourage you also, some of you may not have a job like David that has significant influence, the whole pork industry of New Zealand, David, Uh, and and a role like mine where we equip the saints for works of service and we we train two, three hundred students every year. Uh, So what is what I have to say to that? Each of us is in a place where God can use us. And it comes back to being open, to be convicted, to step out in that place. Not look to the Garys or the Davids or whoever else is around you. Stop second-guessing where God has planted you. I used to second-guess. It's no good, friends. The light cannot shine when we second-guess. So back to this nudge I received in the Holy Spirit. Forgive me, I digressed a wee bit there. And uh, what do you do when you get a nudge? Can I encourage you to go into the Word and read? Read and learn. And this is what I did. If technology works, I'm going to whisk you away to this beautiful place. My readings took me to the Mount of Beatitudes, a hill in the northern part of Israel on the Karazim Plateau. It's a spot where Jesus is believed to have delivered his Sermon on the Mount. It overlooks the north, kind of western shore of the Sea of Galilee, and the Mount offers these amazing vistas and views of the northern part of the lake and across the cliffs of the Golan Heights. A beautiful place, right? It also has, believe it or not, 18 species of fish. (laughs) Being a fisherman, I make my business to find these things out. 
One of these fish is called a tilapia, and it also has kind of a biblical name. Does anyone know what that biblical name might be for that fish, particularly in the Sea of Galilee? St. Peter's fish gets a chocolate fish. Who was that? <laughs> the tilapia is St. Peter's fish. You have? You've eaten one. Did it taste good? <laughs> Tastes like fish. So here is our Lord and Savior sitting on these amazing shores and preaching to his disciples. And, and a quick backstory: This is Jesus who's come. He's come from being baptized by John the Baptist. He's come out of the wilderness where he's been fasting and praying. And we've got some alarms going. We good? And Jesus is preaching, and he's actually preaching what some of the commentary will talk about, a revolutionary message. Why is it revolutionary? Are we good? We've got folks checking. If we have to evac, let us know. So what do we mean by his preaching a revolutionary message? Well, you see, the messages that had been preached up until this point were all about the do-nots. Thy shalt not murder. Thy shalt not commit adultery. And here's Jesus coming and preaching about becoming more like him. He preaches, indeed, about his attributes, the amazing attributes that he carries and the expectation he has on us, his disciples, on becoming more. He preaches in the Beatitudes, for example, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. And so he's preaching a very different, a kind of a countercultural message at the time that is rather distracting. Hopefully they get it sorted. And so I went into the scriptures, and if you've got your Bibles with you, can I encourage you to pull them out or pull out your phones or whatever? So we'll go into the very first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 5. Hopefully that's big enough to read. Dave, yours last week was kind of tiny, mate. <laughs> uh, Matthew 5, and we'll share from verse 14 to 16. So this is Jesus preaching now to his disciples. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't it awesome? And this was, for me, a revelation moment. The Holy Spirit had drawn me to learn more, and, and here I am reading and, and learning from the ultimate teacher, Jesus preaching, encouraging, challenging. And this follows the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, this portion of Scripture, and Jesus is expecting, he's putting out an expectation on his disciples. And those are us today, the followers of Jesus. We are expected to be light of this world. Light is an important part and an important theme in the scriptures. 
It normally kind of um, is the epitome of removal of darkness. And the wee lamp over there, typical Palestinian home might have had a lamp like this, made of clay, wee hole at the top where you would pour your oils, a little spout in the front with a bit of wick or flax or cotton. And it was fairly small, a modest kind of lamp, one might say, giving out a modest light. And so what do you do when something is giving out a, light, a small light? You take it and you put it in a high place. And then it can be more effective. And so people would indeed put it on a lampstand so it could shine brightly. In the modest homes, often these homes, the Jewish homes, were one-room structures. And the elevated lamp could give everyone in the fari, the house, light. Jesus later declared that he is the light of the world in John 8. He came to the world to enlighten all of his people so that those believing in him will no longer be in darkness. In the same way as Jesus' life and message of salvation, bringing light into those dark places, his disciples, you and I, are living demonstration of the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. The light of revelation from God that accompanies Jesus' announcement of the kingdom is not just carried by his disciples, they are the light. Matthew 5, the scriptures we've read, we are called to be the light. Ephesians 5.8 and Philippians 2.15 challenges us. We are the light. We are all outposts for the kingdom. So let's unpack the scripture just a wee bit further. Oh, yep, we were in the right place, weren't we? The city on the hill. The scripture talks about you are the light of the world. A town or a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Ancient cities were often placed on hills, offering greater defense and safety. People could see them from far away, and they knew they could flee there if they were in danger. Being a disciple of Christ is like being a city on a hill. The city to which Jesus refers to here could well have been Jerusalem, which sits on Mount Zion. And since Israel with Jerusalem as the holy city was considered the light of the world at the time. And often Jesus used local context, didn't he, in his preaching. It is impossible to hide a city located on a hill. And so being a disciple of Christ is like being a city on a hill. It is impossible to hide. Moving along into that portion of Scripture, lighting a lamp and putting it under a bushel, we do not do this. It says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Jesus is, is essentially encouraging us to not have our light put under a bowl. Indeed, the bushel, which if you want to read clearly, it explains the measurement for dry goods, about 8.7 liters that it would carry, it refers to this container used for measuring the unit, the bushel, and covering a lamp. The only purpose of doing this would be to extinguish, extinguish the lamp. I think we've got a picture of a bushel somewhere there, or something equally holding the volume, a bushel. 
So we are called to be the light of the world, and we cannot be hidden. Our very nature, the kingdom life within us, is living testimony to those in the world who do not yet have that light. Have you looked around you from time to time? I'm sure we all have non-Christian friends, colleagues. Look around you, there's something different about who we are. The Word says we are created anew in Christ Jesus. And that means we are born again, and those around us who have not accepted the hope in Christ Jesus are not. We are carrying the light of Christ. Our good works are produced by the light and life that come from God. And we shine to bring glory to God, the Father, not to kind of elevate ourselves. The title Father is used in Matthew for the first time, introducing the special relationship that exists between God and Jesus' disciples. Jesus has been declared to be the beloved Son, and now those who have received the kingdom light are children of the Heavenly Father as well. As Jesus' disciples, we possess kingdom life. This is why I was talking earlier about kingdom work. And this produces good deeds from a changed, transformed life. I mentioned before the good deeds. It's one of those lovely, beautiful scriptures, portions of scriptures out of Ephesians 2.10. It starts with, you are a masterpiece. And when I look in the mirror, I see an aging guy, balding, kind of a little bit different. I was telling Johan earlier to when I was picking apples when I arrived in in New Zealand, and weighed a few pounds less than I weigh now. Do I see a masterpiece? Do you see a masterpiece when you look in the mirror? Paul is encouraging us in Ephesians that we are a masterpiece. No second guessing, no wondering. We are a masterpiece. And Jesus has created us anew so that we can do good things that he has planned for us to do a long time ago. These are promises and encouragements. So Jesus has an expectation for his disciples, you and me, to be light bearers in the world and to do good works that glorify our Father in heaven. No other reason. The world needs your light, the light of Christ. The places where you move is very different to the place where I spend most of my time. So be encouraged to shine that light brightly. A word of caution here. For me, doubt was a real challenge. And the word says, doubt is not of God. So when I took the role of Vision College principal 15 years ago, I prayed about it, as you do. I stepped into the role with with great aspirations and immediately became overwhelmed with administration with, with academia, with, with compliance and regulation. Indeed, to a point where I, I, doubt had crept in and I believe I'd made the mistake. I phoned the, the man, bless him, the previous pastor of City Church, uh, Pastor Trevor Wilson. I phoned him, actually, and said to him, we've made a mistake. I need to hand this back over somehow. I need to, we need to recruit someone else. We need a theologian in here that studied for years, probably a PhD person, blah, blah, blah. Off I went. Doubt was speaking. Actually, a bit of fear had crept in me as well, right? And 
I'm so thankful because that was a phone call on Friday. Trevor kind of went, okay, Gary, well, let's speak to one another on Monday. That Friday, I was invited to an apostolic church men's camp out at Hanmer Springs, Forest Park Lodge. The keynote speaker there was Mark Stevenson, a gentleman I'd heard about but never met. Worked for Radio Rima for many years. And there's Mark opening in prayer, and he looks up at me, and he says, You, my friend, are second-guessing where God's planted you. God has tagged you for where you are. Don't look around. What you need is in your hands. Stop second-guessing. And typical apos, someone wrote this down. I should have brought it. I can show you one day if you like. You're the man that said, get on with it. This is what he's telling me. And I sat there and I, I kind of felt that proverbial kick up the pants. All right. I remember phoning uh, Trevor on Monday, apologizing to him, saying, look, f- please forgive me for that phone call on Friday. That wasn't the real kind of Gary that was speaking. That was the fearful, doubting Gary that was speaking. Friends, if you are bound by fear or doubt, I'm going to invite folks to come forward for prayer afterwards. It's debilitating. It distracted from the ministry and the kingdom work that God called me to do. And it meant my light was not shining where it needed to shine. And so that proverbial kick up the pants was necessary. Isn't it lovely how the Holy Spirit can kind of fire something? And it was a necessary word that was given. And if it's a word that you need to wrestle with today, I want to encourage you. Doubt and fear are not of Christ. The enemy, indeed, will use them like the bushel. The enemy will take them and place them over our lamps. And what happens? The lamp is extinguished. Satan will smile. We've got to be intentional, friends. We've got to encourage one another. I found out that there's this kind of feature in one of the most popular browsers. Who who knows about uh, the browser called Chrome? You know about Chrome? Most of us use it every given day. There's a feature in Chrome called incognito mode. Goodness gracious me. Apparently it kind of uh, pauses your, 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 your active kind of viewing or whatever it is, and then when you switch it off or whatever, it carries on again. I want to say today that I don't want to work in an incognito mode. The scripture doesn't say there will be times and places when you can be incognito or not. We need to be conspicuous, not inconspicuous. The light of Christ needs to be seen in this world. Incognito mode is not the way to achieve this. James 4.4 says, Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world... Spending time in incognito mode makes himself an enemy of God. And John 15, 18, Jesus says again, If the world hates you or doesn't like this light that you're trying to shine, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The world crucified him. So Christians today are persecuted for their faith. We are blessed here in New Zealand where we can actually step out in our faith. I love the little story Rachel shared last week. Those of you who were here last week, uh, the, the trip to Rarotonga. Sorry to just remind us all again that she spent some beautiful time with the family in Rarotonga. But do you remember two little things Rachel shared with me or with us? One, before they went out in the glass-bottom boat, 
I'm trying to picture that now, beautiful picture. The person there stood up and prayed. Prayed that God would go before them, prayed for safety, prayed for, for thanksgiving, that they had the opportunity for, to go out there and enjoy the blessing of this beautiful place. And also when they sat and fellowshiped around food, someone acknowledged, a Christian there acknowledged and give, gave thanks for that food. Someone there was shining their light. We got it? Someone was stepping up in a secular place, friends. I would imagine most of those around, they weren't, weren't kind of on holiday mode. They, they're not kind of tuned in. We need to be different. We're not conforming, are we? And I, I just give thanks for those Christians in Rarotonga who took the time to acknowledge God for the food, the beautiful place where they found themselves. They were not in incognito mode. God bless them. I mentioned before we are outposts for the kingdom of God. So what can, or indeed we could replace that word, what should we do? We need to understand the influence of the gospel is to extend beyond each of us. I think we do a wonderful job. I believe we do a wonderful job here at Parklands. Did you know that this church, Parklands, us, is a beacon of light and hope in this community? You and I are bringing Christ's light and hope in our communities. Our neighbors, the places where we move around, out here throwing the frisbee. This is where we are being people of influence for the kingdom. We are called to be light that dispels darkness from those around us. Jesus has an expectation on us in this regard. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable, friends. And that is, I get excited when I get uncomfortable. I get excited for the kingdom work that I know God is calling me in that discomfort to do. The challenge is we fall back into complacency. No one is saved for themselves alone. No lamp is lit for its own benefit. It's for the fari, for the now, for the house of God. To bring him glory. And Jesus wants every one of us to know him. And so if you haven't given your life to Christ today, I would like to invite you for prayer afterwards. We need more lights shining in this world. And we can achieve this when we surrender and give our lives to Christ and follow him. We need to practice hospitality, another wonderful kind of attribute of our DNA, of this wonderful fellowship of Parklands. Hospitality is treating strangers and friends alike. It is welcoming one another into our homes and lives. It's a sacred duty. I love inviting those truant kids at Vision College to sit down and have a cup of hot chocolate on me at Vision College. I love it. This is extending hospitality, listening to their story. We tend to avoid the rough diamonds. Jesus went out and looked for them actively. And we must pray ceaselessly. We must encourage one another and build each other up, the word says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. This is not always easy because as a family, we get the pip sometimes with one another. Am I right? Maybe the worship is kind of not where it was meant to be according to our expectation. And so be encouraged again here when we see the church in Ephesus actually lost their way a wee bit, didn't it? 
And so what happens? Did Paul chastise them? He encouraged them. He must have been very sad that they kind of started losing their way after he'd gone and taught them what to do and how to do it. He encouraged them. He prayed for them. And that's how we get on. That's how we build the house together. We encourage one another. We do not cast the stone. And we need to step out in our faith. Taking ground for the kingdom can be a messy thing. Uh, breaking ground. If anyone uh, done farming before, agriculture? I grew up in a farm. Yep, you've got to break the ground before you can sow new territory and new seeds. It can be a hard process. Taking ground for the kingdom is much the same. It's not always easy. From 1 Timothy 6.12, this portion of scripture, faith, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the external life to which you were called when you were made that good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight. It is a fight, friends. Let's not be uh, under any illusion in this world. If you are not feeling a grapple or a wrestle, I challenge you to start seeking deeper where you might need to be ministering. Complacency is not a way to take ground for the kingdom. So let the gospel light shine in your life. And know that this is an expectation from Jesus, our Savior. It's an expectation that we'll see, hopefully, many lights around the planet. This is a picture, I think they call it blue marble slash black marble, <laughs> taken from space. And I just would like to see a world where Christ's light is shining in every single corner of this planet. I would like to see revival break out. How many people are praying for revival? Because what we can try and do in months and years, God can do in a heartbeat. I'm an active prayer warrior at Vision College for revival. Because we want to see souls saved for Christ. We want to see a, a picture similar to this. Although there's lots of dark patches there. Including Africa, I might say. Pretty dark. My mum says darkest Africa. <laughs> so be encouraged and be challenged today. Uh, I would like to just run a wee clip if we've got technology running. And then I'd like to close for us in prayer. Rachel, have we got that?
very cute, isn't it? <laughs> Do we still sing that in our children's churches? I really hope so. Uh, I remember I was probably yay big when I sang that song for the first time. Um, it is, of course, if I can just find, it's a gospel song by Harry Dixon Lewis, L-O-E-S spelling. Uh, and you've got to love, the little wee clip starts with one little light bulb. Did you notice how many were at the end? Three, yeah. And if we keep going, it'll become 33 and 333 and so forth. It starts with you and it starts with me. So I'd like to pray for us before we run the little wee benediction. Yeah. Mm. Father God, thank you that you are the light of the world and that you are using us to bring light into the places around us, whether they are kind of marginalized folks that we connect with, at-risk folks, wherever they are, wherever we are. We thank you that you have an expectation on us that we are fully enabled, anointed, and equipped to minister and do the kingdom work in those places. I pray for my brothers and sisters that we might be courageous, that we might step out in our faith, that we might trust that the Holy Spirit, our helper and friend and counselor, will be there with us and go before us into those places. I thank you that we are not part of a persecuted church here in New Zealand, or perhaps not so much as other places. I thank you that we are the ones you have called to bring hope and bring light into this place where you called us to. I thank you for this community of faith, Parklands. I pray during this season that we're out of our kind of physical church home, that we can continue to be the hope of the world as your people, your church, your bride. Use us powerfully, I pray. Help us to overcome fear, doubt, and whatever else is debilitating us from shining our light. We know the gates of hell will not prevail. We know that we are called and fully anointed to do that good work that Paul says is called for us to do. So I pray your blessing as we, we go, Father God. We go in the knowledge that you go before us and you are the almighty God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we do the benediction, if anyone is wanting prayer, I would like to encourage you to come. The rest can go and have a lovely cup of tea and coffee. Um, I would like to pray for you if you're struggling with doubt or fear or anything else that you think has kind of become like a, a, a bushel over your ministry. I would love to pray for you. Um, you, can, you can invite, I can invite you to pray or you can ask someone else to pray if you like. And hey, I also love to get prayed for also. So, so let's follow the benediction together. Would you like to stand when we do the benediction? Thank you.